What's up, everybody? This is Pastor James. Welcome back to our midweek Bible study. I apologize once again that I was not with you last week, but once again, my family and I were struggling with another sickness. And so after about six weeks of constantly being sick for the first time, I'm feeling a lot better. Still a little congested, but I can actually breathe through my nose. I'm so thankful for everyone Praying for my family, praying for me, uh, checking in on us. Very grateful. But today, we're going to finish up chapter 5 as Solomon continues to warn his young sons about avoiding immoral women and the dangers of sexual immorality. Now, this last portion of the chapter is a little more risque than last week. So if you got young kids and maybe you're listening to this out loud, you might want to um, wait a little bit as it gets a little more in-depth with uh, some of the things that you should be avoiding. Um, nothing uh, rated R, you know, it's just probably PG and, and getting there. Uh, maybe words or uh, phrases that you may not have discussed with your young children yet, so just be aware of that. But we'll get through this chapter together like mature adults and really look at how important it is for people to adhere to the advice that we're getting from Solomon. Now, I think it's important to understand that he wrote this to his sons, but it does not mean that we cannot benefit from that same advice. So let's read together Proverbs chapter 15, or I'm sorry, chapter 5, and let's read verses 15 through 23 as we get started. It says, Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the streets, having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an immoral woman? Or fondle the breast of a promiscuous woman. All right. Well, last time we were together, uh, if you remember, we ended on the part where Solomon was talking about how giving into immorality will leave you in ruin. You'll be plagued by diseases, wishing you would have paid attention to wisdom and teachings, and now uh, you're in a position where you're facing public disgrace. Well, the consequences of joining yourself with an immoral person inevitably corrupts you and makes you an immoral person. You become who you hang around with and who you join yourself with. And I think that's something that we forget a lot of times as adults. You know, we, we warn our kids of this. We talk about this with kids and teenagers a lot. But even as adults, we have to be very careful we think that we're stronger and we're older and we're more mature and that we won't get sucked into those things. But even as an adult, it is very easy for us to be sucked in to the influence of other people, whether we realize it or not. And Solomon is talking about this. You know, you are who you hang around with and the consequences of your actions catch up with you. And if you're participating in the things that immoral people are participating in, you become immoral. And as we look at verse 15, Solomon is challenging his sons to be faithful to their wife. And this is pretty interesting if you look at the wording as wife is singular and Solomon had hundreds of wives and hundreds of concubines. You know, he had about a, a thousand altogether. Um, this is a man who has bound himself to the requirements. Um, and like I said, this, this is a little more risque. But, you know, even if you look at <clears throat> the fact that he had 
I forget how many hundreds of wives and how many hundreds of concubines, but it added up to right at a thousand women. And according to the laws of that time and the expectations of that time, a husband had to have sexual relations with his concubine or with his wife in at least once a year in order to fulfill his duties as a husband. So he's bound himself to these requirements of sleeping with at least a thousand women at least once per year. And that's uh, one heck of a predicament. I mean, you can do the math. That's at least three women a day. And on some days, you would have to have at least four. And this is a... When I think about that, you know, it's like, yeah, some some young men would be like, oh, that would be great. That would be amazing. It's like, well... I know in my life with the responsibilities that I have and with raising our children and trying to be a good husband and a good pastor and a good father, um, I just would not have the time to do that. Uh, And so can you imagine Solomon being a king and running an entire country and having all these responsibilities and now on top of that trying to be a father, trying to convince his sons to listen to him And the best he's kind of doing seems to be writing them a book of wisdom and teaching them, hoping that they will read it and listen, because he has the responsibilities of entertaining at least four women a day to fulfill his duties uh, as a husband. And uh, that's one heck of a predicament to be in. Yet Solomon is encouraging his sons to remain faithful to their wife, not wives, not concubines, but to their wife, as in singular. Now, I understand there's a difference in being married to uh, multiple women or people versus having affairs with random uh, people. However, the outcome of Solomon's life does not reflect a difference. You know, when we read in Scripture that a lot of his wives and concubines were foreign, and a lot of those women led Solomon astray to worship idols. So, it doesn't matter whether or not it, it is uh, the, the relationship is viewed as acceptable because there is marriage there. You really have to be careful to avoid an immoral woman. You can still be married to an immoral woman. You can be married to an immoral man. And you have to be careful not to join yourself with them. This isn't just about premarital sex or adultery. I mean, this is about even joining yourself to an immoral per- person because Solomon did that. And uh, Solomon was led astray by his foreign wives and concubines. And when you think about as easily as an immoral, adulterous relationship can lead someone astray, it can also happen in marriage. And we have this is why Jesus tells us not to be unequally yoked. Scripture uh, warns us not to join ourselves with people who are not Christians because it wreaks havoc on our life. Now, if we marry someone before we're saved and we get saved, Scripture encourages us to stay in the circumstances that we're in and pray for that person, minister to them, uh, but we should not try to get out of that relationship. But we should not voluntarily go into a relationship with an immoral person in any way. Whether it be an immoral relationship or not, we should not engage in a relationship with immoral people. So, Solomon seems like he may already regret his many wives, or it could be that he simply understands that it's quite an endeavor to support that many women and children, and none of his sons may even have the possibility to do it. You know, you think Solomon was 
unbelievably wealthy and blessed by the Lord. And he had the money to support that many women and that many children. But his sons may not have that same opportunity. And you got to think only one of his sons is going to be king. The rest of them uh, may hold high titles within the kingdom, but they're not going to have the same amount of wealth that Solomon had. So there's a little bit of understanding here that Solomon's trying to pass on to his kids that, you know, have a wife, cherish her. Um, and you, you look at verse 17, and this reveals a lot, that sex within the confines of marriage is a wonderful and very sacred thing. It means uh, it's meant to be a gift from the Lord and a gift that each of you get to give to one another. And it's something that shouldn't be shared. You know, Solomon says, don't share this with other people, but keep it between yourselves. Make it special between the two of you. And verse 18 moves on as Solomon talks about cherishing your wife. And, you know, perhaps Solomon sees how much more appreciative other men were of their one wife versus the requirements of having 1,000 women and all the children with them that he has that he's now responsible for. And there's something about realizing that a wife is a blessing. In fact, uh, you are a blessing to one another, or at least you should be. And it's good for you to be captivated by your wife's beauty, by your husband's uh, good looks. I'm not going to say a husband's beautiful, but, you know, it's good to be captivated by your husband, to appreciate him, to be captivated by your wife and appreciate her. Solomon gets a little explicit in verse 19 because uh, a young man needs to understand everything about his wife. Even her physical features are wonderful gifts that should be cherished and appreciated. And perhaps one of the greatest desires of women is to be found attractive, is to be found to be beautiful. And when you think about how much time and money that women spend on self-care products, things like makeup and jewelry and clothing and skin care and hair products and on and on and on, women really put a great deal of effort into uh, presenting themselves as beautifully as they can. And if you can affirm your wife's beauty, appreciate her beauty, it will be one of the most fulfilling things in her life. And likewise, you know, I, I can't think of any man who wouldn't want to be seen or viewed as good looking um, or masculine or, uh, you know, capable of providing or, you know, anything that's positive. You know, guys love to be complimented. And so in our relationships with our husbands and wives, I think it's really important that we express how much we appreciate them, all of their good qualities, everything that we can affirm in them, because that is going to make uh, their self-esteem better. When people feel good about themselves, they're much more willing to exert themselves in different ways and, and try new things and also invest back in you. And so sometimes we just have to be willing to start that. Maybe you're in a relationship right now where you don't feel like your spouse is doing that for you. Well, try start doing that for them first. Make an intentional effort for you to do it for them. And don't just give up on it because they don't start doing it back immediately, but you commit to doing it for months and even maybe a year or two. You commit to doing that to them and pray and seek the Lord in this and see if uh, this does not help and answer uh, prayer and lead your relationship into better days in the coming future. Because I, I honestly think... Um, 
in truth that people just want to be affirmed and appreciated for the most part and if we can affirm and appreciate them i think it will very much change uh the dynamics of our relationships with one another for the better now verse 20 is also pretty risque but sometimes you know stuff just needs to be said uh you can't beat around the bush and solomon in everything that he says it's very poetic it's i mean it's it's risque but it's also beautiful it's, it's not vulgar in any way so there are some women who just know what draws a man in and they use those things in order to seduce him likewise some men know exactly how to seduce a woman and take advantage of her so we're not picking on any one of the sexes today but we have to be very careful never to allow ourselves to be carried away by the lure of what someone else offers us we have to remember back to what solomon said at the beginning of the chapter that we read a couple weeks ago an immoral person whether it's a woman or a man their feet go to the grave and their paths lead to death while it may look enticing while it may look good while it may be fun while it may be appealing while it may look harmless and while it may be something that we really really want like we may have this great void in our life that we really want to fill you got to remember it leads to destruction just like the tree of knowledge in the garden the fruit looked good for eating and it seemed harmless but it cost adam and eve everything and if you engage or indulge in an immoral relationship with an immoral person so you can go about it. you can get married you can, you can join yourself in marriage with an immoral person it is going to cost you it is going to be a long hard road and i can say that from experience because i witnessed um in in my family uh you know my mom was a believer and, and you know my dad believed in god but my dad had not surrendered his life to god and I watched for many, many years how difficult that relationship was for my mom being a believer, trying to do the right thing, trying to encourage us as kids to do the right thing, while at the same time, we had another parent in the home who was not seeking the Lord, who was not living for the Lord, and had very different values and had very different opinions on things. And so we were constantly, as kids, pulled back and forth um, as to what's right, what's wrong, which path we're going to follow, whether or not we're going to be obedient to Scripture, how much faith we're going to put in the Lord. That causes a lot of stress and struggle in the relationship, and you need to be aware of that. So you almost have to wonder why Solomon is pushing so hard for his sons to be with one woman and to cherish her so much. But perhaps there's a lot of regret in Solomon's life from not having one queen that he loves and cherishes and appreciates like so many other people that he probably witnessed throughout his life up to this point you know he probably saw men soldiers people that he had around him who only had one life or wife and then they really loved and appreciated one another and there was a very different dynamics in the relationship and i can't imagine how watered down Solomon's relationships with his wives and concubines may have been if, especially with the ones that he may have only spent one day a year with. And even spending one day a year with, how much time did he actually spend with them on that one day? Because he wasn't required to spend the entire day with him. He was just required to fulfill one duty with them 
one day per year, and that might be the only uh, interaction they have with Solomon for that entire year. And so, it's very uh, it's very unique to hear Solomon promoting to his sons like, cherish your wife, not go seeking after multiple women or multiple wives, but cherish your one wife. All right, let's read verses twenty one through twenty three, and we'll finish up this chapter and be done for today. Since for the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. An evil man is held captive by his own sins. They are ropes that catch and hold him. He will die for lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his great foolishness. Alright, so I'll save those three verses for last because they're, you know, they kind of pull away from this whole idea of, of just focusing on this relationship with immoral people. And it really just kind of focuses on this personal uh, relationship between our Heavenly Father and the things that He sees us do. So in these final three verses, Solomon pulls out the spiritual card a little bit. It's not just about practicality. It's not just about what is beneficial for his sons or us as people. But he speaks about the spiritual aspect of all of this. And he starts out with the simple fact that God sees everything. He sees all that we do. He examines everything we do. When we participate in immorality, we participate in evil. When we participate in evil, it makes us evil. And an evil man is held captive by his own sins. Little by little, every sin is like adding on another rope that binds us and keeps us under restraint. And we don't realize it. But we will all die as a result of not having self-control. And I love that verse. It's a great thing to think about because one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control. And if you don't have the fruit of the Spirit, then technically you are a dead man or woman walking. To partake in immorality, whether you are a man or a woman, is great foolishness. You will be lost as a result of your decisions. You will not be able to blame it on anyone else. You will not be able to blame it on the one that seduced you. You have been warned. Wisdom and instruction have been offered to you. Scripture is available. So if you have read this this passage of Scripture now, you know because you've read it. If you haven't read it, then it's your own fault because you know how to read and Scripture has been made available to you. So even though you've never read the Word of God, um. You don't have an excuse because you should have known and it was available and you chose not to uh, receive one of the greatest gifts that's in this world is to have the word of God in your life. Um, I heard someone talking the other day that uh, they were just real fascinated with a, with a passage of scripture they were reading and uh, you know this person's probably in their 50s and they were super excited about it. And to my understanding, this person's lived their whole life like in church. And I'm not saying they've been serving the Lord the whole time, but they grew up in church from the time they were a kid. They've lived in church. They, they've taught Sunday school at church. And I'm not talking about someone at Graham Chapel. I'm talking about someone else. But they've taught Sunday school. And they're studying this book of the Bible, which is a pretty common book. It's not like an obscure book of the Bible. And there were stories in there that they did not know. They, they just had never read it before. And I was sitting there, th- as I was listening to them, I'm like, how can you be in your 50s, grow up in church your entire life, and not know these stories, not have read them before? 
And I think it's really important that we as people realize that, you know, we have wisdom and understanding and instructions and teaching and everything that God wants us to do at our very fingertips. It's in the Bible. We have millions of copies of God's Word. Now we have copies of Scripture on our phones, on our computers. Like we can access it anytime, anywhere, any place, and yet we don't. And I really believe that one day God is going to hold each of us accountable saying, I gave you my word. It was available to you. You could have had it anytime you wanted it to. And you chose not to read it. You chose not to know it. You chose not to obey it. And the truth is, is that it's up to each of us as to whether or not we're going to surrender to Christ. And if we will allow ourselves to serve him or if we're going to allow ourselves to be swept away by the desires of our heart. And the truth is, a lot of people get swept away in immorality and, and immoral relationships, not because they're seeking immorality, but because there's something in their life that's lacking, and there's something that they want and they desire, and they see this person as a potential of filling this hole that they have, but they don't realize that it's costing them everything because the immorality is attached with it. And truthfully... You know, that's what temptation is. Um, an immoral man or woman knows what an empty person desires, and they'll offer them what's missing in exchange for what they want, which is immorality. So they'll offer to fill your void if you'll be willing to fill their void. And the truth is, is that none of us were created to fill each other's voids. The truth is, is that we were created so that God could fill our voids. Now, God can use a husband or a wife to fill voids and, and provide us with things that we need in our life. He can use us. He can use friendships. He can use different relationships. He can use the church. He can use people in various different ways. But the truth is, is we have to be patient enough to wait on God to do it in His timing with the right people. And a person who waits on God and who is filled with Christ is complete and whole and they lack nothing. Yes, there may be desires for a relationship or intimacy or even the physical aspects of a relationship. That's referring to sexual activity. But a person who is spirit-filled will have the fruit of self-control and they will wait on the Lord to bring it into their life in His timing according to His will. And that's something we all need to realize and that we all need to be okay with. It's up to us to learn from the teachings of Solomon, from the teachings of church leaders and elders, and from the teachings of the scriptures, all these things. Because it's, it's available to us. We can learn from wisdom and the instructions of more mature believers, or we can choose our own paths. But I want to encourage you, because we've been studying Proverbs, I want to jump ahead a little bit. You go to Proverbs chapter 21, verse 2, and it says, People may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their heart. There may be times in your life where you can rationalize anything, and something may seem right to you if you're communicating it, and you're thinking about it, and you're really, really wanting this, but I want you to know and understand, it may seem right to you, but God examines your heart, and He will judge you for what it truly is. So we can't get caught up in chasing things that we desire just because we want them. 
we must realize that God has called us to self-discipline and self-control and that has and that he's given us the Holy Spirit to truly achieve that because you can't do it on your own we're not strong enough to do this on our own but he's given us the gift of the Spirit so that he can empower us to have the fruits of the Spirit and he's called us to holiness he has called us to more than ourselves he's called us to more than our desires he has called us to an eternal purpose and the question is is will you surrender to this call or will you follow your own heart the choice is yours but you have to make a choice and this is what Solomon is communicating to his sons choose the path of righteousness don't choose the path of immorality and don't choose immoral relationships have a wife have a husband love your spouse cherish them they are a gift from God all right let's pray together today Father in heaven, thank you so much for another wonderful and beautiful day. We love you and we appreciate you. Thank you for everything you've given us. And thank you once again for the teachings of Solomon. Father, I pray that you would help us to learn and grow. And Lord, if there's anybody who's listening to this today, that you would help them to not give in to the desires of a relationship, to not give in to this um, feeling of loneliness and where we're just desperate and we're, we're, we'll do or accept anyone just to have a relationship or a friendship. But God, help us to be extremely picky. Help us to be patient. Help us to wait on you to bring people in our lives who are good, God-fearing, moral, holy people that when we join ourselves with them, that, Lord, they can help us grow in our relationship with you, but, Lord, we can also help them to grow, that uh, we complement one another, that we are both committed to serving you and lifting you up. And, God, I just pray that you would help us not to give in to the desires of the flesh or any kind of immorality, but, God, that you would help us to pursue you and wait on you to give us all the things that we desire in your timing. Lord, we love you and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, we just want to say thanks again for tuning in for another week. Thanks for being a part of the Graham Chapel family. And as always, tune in this weekend for our video services on Facebook, YouTube, and the podcast. If uh, you can, we'd love to see you on campus at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We love you. We're praying for you. Hope you have a great week.